0: Round four of the Formula One World Championship coming up on Sunday. The Spanish Grand Prix, Barcelona, a track of familiarity as we head to Catalonia for Sunday's race. It has been a race that has been dominated by Mercedes in recent years. They have won six of the last seven Grand Prix's at the track, with Max Verstappen being the outlier, winning in 2016. Lewis Hamilton has won the last four including a race last year defined as kind of a snooze fest. Let's be honest. Uh, Catalonia has 16 corners. It's got two DRS zones and it'll be 66 laps. It has been used in pre-season testing. So this track is very familiar to the drivers. Although testing this year was at Bahrain, drivers have tested here many, many times. The last two races were at Imola and Portimao, which are not usually on the calendar. So this is a track that is most comfortable to the drivers. I mean, you think about it, Imola has certainly had some Formula One history, um, Uh, albeit tragic, but has hosted a number of Grand Prixs. It's a testing site for Tari, and many drivers have run there in their junior circuit days. Portimao has only hosted two Formula One Grand Prixs, last year and then last weekend. So now the drivers are going to a track that they are extremely comfortable at. It's a track that's got some high grip, but it is not the easiest track to get some overtakes. And there has been a change to the circuit layout. Turn number 10, which was redesigned in 2004 to be tighter, to allow some more passing, now gets back to its near original look. It'll be a wider left-hander with a runoff for safety. And right now, as drivers have done some walkthroughs of the racetrack, they are getting you know, some mixed reviews, if you will, on turn 10. They are, some are concerned, Charles Leclerc talked about it, some are concerned about the lack of overtaking on the track anyway, and now when you take away an opportunity to overtake and sort of redesign it so that you're going to be limiting that, even more. I'm sure that some of these drivers are all feeling the same way. It was redesigned in 2004 to do exactly that, to provide more overtaking on a track where it's very limited. So this change could affect the way we see this race on Sunday. But again, it's a familiar track. It is a track most of the drivers love, if not all of the drivers love. So we probably won't see the same sort of discontent that we saw from a couple of drivers at Portimao. And I love Portimao. Don't get me wrong. I I think the track's great. But I know some of the drivers had some problems with the grip that will not be an issue at cataluna coming up this weekend So as we head into round four, obviously, Hamilton battling Verstappen for the championship is the main storyline, and it's going to be the main storyline all year. To prevent sounding like a broken record and to keep harping on this championship battle between these two drivers, you want to look for other things because there are other teams. There's other things to be battling for. And so a couple of things to look for for the Spanish Grand Prix coming up this weekend. And the top on my list is the return of Fernando Alonso to his home track and home race. He returns to Barcelona for the first time since 2000. 2018. He has won the Spanish Grand Prix twice in his career, most recently in 2013, but more importantly, he is he's coming off a good run at Portugal that led to both points for him. Esteban Ocon got some points, and Alpine really showed some promise. There's going to be some upgrades for this race, so... He's starting to get comfortable in the car, starting to get comfortable with the team. He mentioned that he would love to have seen a full grandstands at Barcelona, wouldn't we all? Especially not only for him, Carlos Sainz is in a Ferrari. It would have been exciting to hear the roars for those two drivers going into this race, but alas, COVID is still affecting the, the sport and only a limited number of fans will be allowed to attend. But if Fernando Alonso was struggling after three races, this would still be a big deal for him to return to Barcelona for the first time in three seasons, But the fact that he's on an uptick uh, makes it even more of a story. Number two, McLaren, and boy, are they continuing to shine. Lando Norris off to a brilliant start this season. He is third in the points. He has a top five at each of the three races, including a podium finish at Imola. But not only him, Daniel Ricciardo getting more and more comfortable in the car. He had a good run at Portugal, did not have a very good qualifying, did not even get out of Q1, finished started 16th, but made his way up to ninth, got points for the team. And right now, it's only three races in. I get it but they are really starting to establish themselves as the best of the rest. P3 in the constructor standings, it is between them and Ferrari right now with everybody way back, but again, we got 20 races to go, so we'll see how that plays out, but there's a lot of excitement for what McLaren is building this season and starting to show this season, especially Lando Norris, who's third in the Drivers' Championship points. He is ahead of Valtteri Bottas, who had a DNF at Imola, so Norris continuing to impress, Ricardo continuing to get comfortable allows McLaren to be a story going into every race this season. Also, uh, the third thing, this is a back to back weekend. So this is a double header. This is a back end of a double header. It can be tricky to set the car up after racing the previous weekend. However, Barcelona is a familiar track. It may not be much of an issue for these teams, but the 2021 car did not test here during the winter. Winter testing was in Bahrain, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm really interested to see how Friday's practice sessions are going to go. Andreas Seidel at McLaren says it's a logistical problem for teams when they race back-to-back weekends, but it's also a track that, again, teams are familiar with, they understand the setup, but the 2021 car did not test at Barcelona as Bar- as Bahrain was the testing site this season. But again, I don't know if it's going to be too much of an issue, but I'll be curious how Friday's practice sessions go, and well as qualifying, because when you talk about tracks where overtaking is really hard, where you start on the grid is extremely important. That's sort of a given, none more so than Barcelona. Aston Martin, the fourth thing I'm going to be watching for this weekend, bouncing back I hope so. I don't mean to keep repeating this, and I feel like I am, but nevertheless, Team Green needs a good weekend. They really do. I said that last week when they went to Portugal, and they did not have a very good weekend. Um, The first three races have been an absolute mess for this team. Absolute mess. You had Vettel's penalties both in qualifying and in the race at Bahrain. Then you had brake issues for both teams before the start of the race at Imola, and then you had both cars outside the points running at Portugal, even though Sebastian Vettel made it to Q3 and started 10th in the Portuguese Grand Prix. I had a lot of high expectations for this team coming into this season. And with Sebastian Vettel on board, those expectations were ratcheted up even higher. But even though we have a long way to go, their run towards a P3 and the constructors is looking really, really dim. They absolutely need a good showing at Barcelona. And if they don't get it here, we're heading to Monaco in a couple of weeks, and I don't know if they're going to get it there. Uh, The fifth thing, and that's Valtteri Bottas. Not necessarily where he starts, not necessarily where he finishes, but how this whole weekend is going to play out for Bottas and his mindset. The arrows, no pun intended, are coming for him. The latest gossip is that he is going to be replaced midseason by George Russell. That is a rumor that has been shot down by Lewis Hamilton, but this becomes another distraction for the Mercedes number two man. I am sure this is getting old for Botas. I'm sure he is getting sick and tired of every season w- answering questions about his status with Mercedes. Everybody analyzing. I've done it myself, right? When Toto Wolf is on the radio, I never think that's a good thing. I don't care what they say. When Wolf is urging you to push. I don't think that's a good sign, but I do not believe one drop of this report that Mercedes is going to dump him and put in George Russell mid season. I do think eventually he will be replaced. Russell has been with Williams now for three seasons. It is about time this young man gets moved up into a top ride, but It is not going to be done after 15 races or 12 races or 13 races or 20 races, whatever it may be. I don't care what the circumstances are. He is not going to get replaced. I don't buy this because when I read the report, when I read the story, it just seemed like good old gossip from somebody that just wanted to remain anonymous, who had no problem speaking in the media on, hey, I want to just tell you something. And since you're not putting my name into it, I have no accountability on this whatsoever. Hamilton has already spoken on this. He says the Silvereros have the best driver lineup in Formula One. He is 100% correct right now. But Toto Wolf needs to end this publicly. Now, he may have already done that by the time you hear this podcast. So I just want to make that very clear. At the time of this recording, he had not. But when you hear it, he may have already done that. And if he does, good for him, because I, I need to hear it from him. He needs to publicly dismiss these reports. Botas said, that's not the way Mercedes does it. He has a contract and I, and I buy this. I think in the end, you run to the finish line at the end of this season with the two guys you brought. And then that's it. You make decisions in the off season, how you want to go forward. And it looks like Hamilton has already said he's going to be back in the driver's seat in 2022. So who knows what that second seat is going to look like for the Silver Silvereros. We'll see. But so far, this report and the media buzz surrounding it and the fan interest and the social media and everybody else that sort of puts a, wants to dive at this issue, it could be a distraction for him. We'll see. And he's done a good job sometimes of putting distractions behind him, and he has done a poor job of doing that at some particular races. So those are the five things I'm looking forward to for the Spanish Grand Prix coming up at Catalonia, coming up on Sunday at Barcelona. All right, now it's time for Fast Lap. We'll get some news and notes, and this one was a great one. Roman Grosjean will be testing for Mercedes in France later this season. It gives him an opportunity to get back into a Formula One car for the first time since that horrific accident in Bahrain. He'll get to do it on his home track, too, which is great. Grosjean went to England for a seat fitting. He also got to work on Mercedes Simulator. Wolfe did not want this accident to be the end of his Formula One career, which spanned 10 years. And I think that's great because we all knew Grosjean was on his way out of Haas, even before that accident. And then when the accident occurred, once we knew he was okay. And once we knew he was heading to the hospital and healing up, and then he was going to try to come back for Abu Dhabi and didn't come back for Abu Dhabi. You kind of thought, wow, here's a guy who had a 10 year career in the sport and here's a guy that's leaving. And this is the last thing we'll remember him for. Yeah. It's a testing, but it's an important one. It's symbolic. And I think total Wolf making that promise to him was great. And I, And I think fans are going to love to see Grosjean back in a Formula One car. Listen, he had a top 10 finish in these IndyCar debut at Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama. He ran, I think, 13th at St. Petersburg. But to see him in an F1 car, a championship level car, I think it's great. It's a good story. And it sort of bookends a career for Grosjean in F1. In other news, Red Bull has added five more people from Mercedes for their engine division. The team will be manufacturing its own engines starting next season. With Honda pulling out after this year, they have already grabbed Ben Hodgkinson from Mercedes. He will head up the division. Five more Mercedes folks will be joining him, including Steve Bluet, who is the head of manufacturing, and Anton Mayo, who was the Mercedes engineering team leader. Red Bull Powertrains will be the name of the new department. But it is important to point this out, and, I, and many of the media has d- have done this, and I think it's very important, because if you're kind of new to the sport, this seems like a huge deal, and it kind of is, when, when Ben Hodgkinson's leaving Mercedes to go to Red Bull, it's a big deal, but remember, Mercedes has about 700 people on staff, and people move in and out of jobs in F1 all the time, so yes, it's a big deal, because Red Bull is putting together an engine division, creating their own engines, and they are pulling good talent from Mercedes, but this is six people so far on a huge staff at Mercedes. So while it's a, if you go big deal, little deal, no deal, it's not a big deal, but it's not a little deal. It's more in, in between, but it's certainly not no deal. It's it's certainly definitely newsworthy that Red Bull has been adding people uh, from the, the Mercedes team to join their division. Max Verstappen saying Formula One needs to find a solution to track limits. He obviously has been very frustrated with this Problem this season It has cost him A race at Bahrain Remember turn four Going to the outside Having given the place Back to Lewis Hamilton It cost him a pole At Portugal It also cost him A fastest lap At Portimao And Red Bull The the, the brass at Red Bull Both Christian Horner And Helmut Marco Believe there's been Tremendous inconsistencies In the application Of track limits I mean you don't have to Go back that far Go back to Portugal To know what They're talking about When Lando Norris Went off the track Came back on the track And passed Sergio Perez And they were not happy how that was not called now Verstappen who had the fastest lap deleted out of turn 14 did make a mistake in his post race comments he said he thought they weren't checking for limits at that turn he was not correct Michael Massey and the FIA did notify the teams on Saturday that they would be watching turn limits at turn 14 at Portimao so Max was out of luck I do agree with them it has been a problem not only for the team and for fans too because you want a consistency in the rules we do this in all the other sports we want to see it in Formula One as well. Look, remember, the Verstappen-Bahrain issue was also clouded by the fact that Lewis Hamilton was allowed to go wide on that turn 29 times in the race. And if you sort of calculate sort of the advantage that a driver will get in that maneuver, you know, it's it's shaving some significant time. And while Verstappen overtakes by exceeding track limits and rightfully called out for it and rightfully gives the position back... I can see where the inconsistency is driving Red Bull crazy, especially at Portugal. Orlando Norris went completely off the track and then came back on and then passed Sergio Perez. Enough for Perez to sort of wait for uh, an answer from the stewards as to whether or not he should get that position back. So I get it why Red Bull is getting kind of upset with this. Verstappen would like to see a hard limit on, on tracks, but I think a lot of this is just frustration. It's the third time in a short season that he has been penalized because of track limits, so I can understand some problems. All right, one other bit of news. The Canadian Grand Prix, this was more last week, but I wanted to bring it up. The Canadian Grand Prix will not be run this season in Montreal. It'll be replaced by Turkey. It makes logistical sense because of the proximity on this calendar to Baku. Istanbul is a fan favorite. Last year, it was run in the rain, and it was probably the most memorable race of 2020, at least for me. Uh, Lance Stroll started from pole position. It was a master clash in wet weather driving by Lewis Hamilton to get the victory. Charles Leclerc had a spin. He, had, he was running in a podium finish towards the end, but then kind of went for another move and then spun and then finished outside the top three but it was one of the more memorable races of 2020 but the track layout is great whether it's sunny or raining whatnot Uh, Istanbul again is a fan favorite I am looking forward to the Canadian Grand Prix returning living in the United States any track that's in North America in this region of the world I'm always glad to see so I'm looking forward to it returning but if it can't be run because of COVID restrictions Istanbul and Turkey is a fine place to go for Formula One all right predictions for the Spanish Grand. Pre, they're hard to make because again we're talking about lewis hamilton and max verstappen being the top two do i expect any surprises on the podium not really i think this is going to lay out where the best teams and the best cars are going to showcase their skills i think hamilton is going to win this race verstappen will run second and botas will finish third i know it's a simple prediction i'd love for it to be changed up i'd love for lando to try to find a way to get to the podium but again with racing anytime you get attrition in a race anytime you get cars that don't perform up to expectations anything can happen but The one thing that I am a little concerned about is—and it's going to happen at some point this season—is If Hamilton and Mercedes gets it dialed in and and Red Bull, you know, just keep running max in second place and another good showing, but not quite there, then the championship fight is not going to be as narrow as we kind of want it to be through this season. If Hamilton just keeps adding points every week, eventually the gap is going to grow and we're not going to get a true championship fight. And that's what we're all kind of craving right now. And we're seeing its potential. We are seeing in two races already this year out of three that have been run Red Bull leaving feeling like they could have won that race they didn't need hamilton to screw up going into the pits when it was closed or practicing restarts on pit lane before the race or suffering any sort of time penalty or a complete failure at a pit stop by mercedes they are leaving they left both bahrain and Portimao feeling as though they should have won that race max verstappen was as uncomfortable at, at portugal that he has probably ever been in an f1 car and yet he finished P2 in a race that he should have started from the pole. And he should have got fastest lap. Now, I know he broke track limits and there's a penalty for that. I get it. But we are getting the feeling that Red Bull is saying, look, we are competitive this year. And I worry that Barcelona, which Hamilton has dominated, could put enough of a gap with with Verstappen that as races tick off, if that gap increases, if Red Bull does not win a few races here to sort of tighten it up, then... It could get away from Red Bull and Max Verstappen in a chase for the championship. And I hope that doesn't happen. I really don't. You see this a lot of times in other sports where, you know, it's a long regular season. Oh, there's enough time to catch the leader. And before you know it, you wake up and there's three weeks to go and you're four games back in the standings. You don't want that to happen here, right? I know we've got a long way to go. I know we've got 20 races left, but. If we're going to have the championship battle, then this has to be a back and forth. Mercedes is going to win and Red Bull has to answer. And then when Red Bull wins a race, Mercedes has to answer. If we get into a groove where Mercedes and Hamilton start winning races and Max Verstappen just runs second and it's another opportunity lost, then you won't have the championship battle this summer. You won't. You will have Hamilton with getting more and more comfortable with a lead and you're not going to get this feeling like we've been getting that 2021 can be special. So That'll do it for this edition of the Overtake F1 Podcast, our Spanish Grand Prix preview. We will have a review of the race dropping on Monday. So enjoy the race weekend. Again, subscribe to the channel, leave a five-star review. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, you can hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can also email the show at the Overtake F1 Podcast. I know it's long. The Overtake F1 Podcast at gmail.com. Again, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you are new to Formula One. We were here to answer your questions. If you just got into the sport we would love to help you kind of navigate through it it can be a little complex at times so hit us up we'd love to hear from you so we will be back on monday with a review of the spanish grand prix we will also have our top five bottom five after round four of the world championship i'm tony desiri enjoy the race this weekend this has been the overtake f1 podcast